Hi, and thanks for joining us for installment one of six in a mini-series focused on showcasing the various types of business models that exist within Fibernew. I'm your humble host, Jesse Johnstone. Steve Geddes of Fibernew Kelowna, BC is someone we consider to be an empire builder within Fibernew's franchise system. At the time of this recording, Steve was in his fourth year of business and had scaled his operation to include 12 employees, three vans on the road, and a storefront shop. He's living proof that when you execute on a plan and run your business as a business with enthusiasm and integrity, you can reach great heights with your own Fibernew enterprise. Steve shares many insights in this conversation on exactly how he's done it. We hope you enjoyed listening in. Cheers. Really, really happy to be sitting down with Steve Geddes of Fibernew Kelowna. Steve, thanks a lot for taking time to have a chat together. Thank you for inviting me to do this. Look forward to it. All right. All right. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this as well. And let's just start with your your personal bio. Who are you? Where do you come from? Uh, just tell us a little bit about Steve. Uh, I'm an East Coast boy, so grew up in Halifax, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Uh, my formative years, I guess, were there and moved when I was uh, when I was about 27 to Calgary, Alberta. So uh, um, started in furniture in uh, in Nova Scotia. I had dreams of being a hockey player that didn't quite work out when my body kept getting broken up and uh and and concussions so i decided i needed a job and it's funny the way that happened is um i was i was in the the junior and and senior hockey uh circles and and known fairly good in that world and people knew that i was you know i had to get out of that and uh an owner of a furniture company in in halifax that i knew said well i'll give you a sales job selling commercial furniture if you'll be our ringer on our gentleman's hockey team so I'm like perfect. I need a job, and I can still play hockey. So that was my uh, my entry into furniture, to commercial furniture. That's important because the first two weeks of training, I was on the truck installing furniture. I wasn't. It was nothing about sales. I was learning furniture, and to this day, I use those tools because I can't sell anything if I don't know how it goes together. And so, what's important for me that I took from those first two weeks is. I can sell something if I know how it goes together, what it's all about, and then I can talk properly about that. So that was sort of my entrance into furniture, and that was in 1987, 88, somewhere around there, and I've still been in out of uh, furniture most of my life. So from there, I moved to Calgary uh, with a company called Smed International, selling uh, um, their furniture and working at their head office in sales and marketing. Um, after they were sold, um, you know, got into uh, into uh, JNS Fabrics uh, as their Western um, regional sales manager, and then opened up my own company to sell. So figured I could do better selling than uh, uh, working as a manager. The entrepreneurial itch, I'm sure, just took over at some point too. If, if you had it in you to go out on your own, so that's what you did. Absolutely, I've always been yeah. good at bringing new products to market, expanding yeah. business. So. At SMED, I was their healthcare manager. I uh, I ran their healthcare division and grew it a lot. Um, I left. I actually went into uh, to the beer world, to the hockey world, and I grew and I brought new new mark new products to market. So with that, I knew I had that in me. I knew that that's what I was good at and growing brands and growing territories. So um, I decided that it was time to to open up my own sales agency and and uh, and grow my own market, if you will. Just curious, is that a Getty's family thing? Does that run in your blood, so to speak, in your family? Some, yes. Uh, you know, some of my relatives have their own companies and that sort of thing. My dad was true blue collar. Uh, you know, he worked for some companies there. But what I get from him is my work ethic because my dad always had a second job, a third job to pay for vacations, to pay for putting me through hockey, to be honest, because that was an expensive thing as it still is today. So he always, he would work uh, a lot of hours and I would see that growing up. And and he taught me that early that I think my first paper route when I was 12. And he's like, if you want money, you go earn it. And I think the sales and the entrepreneurial part of me that I've always tried to, to teach my kids is that connection. And not everybody makes it, but that connection with Working hard and working smart, when that equates to your your commissions or your your bank account, there's a connection there, right? And when you make that connection, then that's when you enjoy sales, and that's when you want to keep driving. And uh, but my dad taught me how to work hard for sure. Coming from that portion of your life into Fibernew, let, let's talk about that, and and maybe let's just first start with a bit of a bio on Fibernew Kelowna. Bring us up to speed on that 
and then we'll talk about how those two worlds came together. Yeah, so Fiber New Kelowna now is uh, is sort of two territories merged together. So I bought Fiber New Kelowna three years ago, and then Fiber New Vernon about you know a year after in in May, so a year and a half after I bought the uh, the second territory, sort of merged them together because they're not large territories, so they're they're very small. I, I bought it from an existing uh, franchise who was uh, sort of a, a mobile tech. He had uh, Paul had his own. Uh, his van and he worked a little bit out of his garage, but he was a mobile tech. And I saw a huge opportunity in Kelowna that there was there was an opportunity to grow that business and to be more than just a mobile service. So I bought it with the with that in mind, and I did my you know my business due diligence and looked at the market, looked at all the the different avenues, and knew that there was an opportunity. So I went from buying it from Paul to me and my son starting it, uh, Zach, uh, when we uh, when we first purchased it. In a short time, up to 12 employees, myself included, and, and, and Diane, my wife, who does, you know, bookkeeping and, and sort of the back end, up to 12, uh, 12 staff, you know, in that three years. So we've grown it very quickly, even through COVID. Like we've talked to in the past, you know, I've, I've probably taken a lot more residential jobs uh, through COVID to keep things uh, going and keep all the staff busy. We were able to, to grow it. And to be honest, I could... St- Still grow it more if you know we could find more staff because the business is out there. One of the things that I loved about uh, Fiber New and the all the different industries that we're in is is it's very scalable. And me being a sales guy, I can go after that business and I can uh, uh, I can quickly decide to go up or go down. For instance, you know for the summer we've lost a couple staff members that have moved away, so I've just brought it back down for a little bit. You know, so we're we're down two staff. You know, come fall, we'll crank back up again, and uh, and that's the beauty of it, right? You can uh, you have the ability at Fibernew to do that. Yeah, just make it make sense for the circumstances and whatever is going on, whatever opportunities are there, and exactly. make adjustments on the fly. Absolutely, exactly. Yeah. So between the two territories, what's your total population? Between the two of them, I'm a right around two hundred thousand. Not a big territory, and I guess drive time from one end to the other. I would be an hour to an hour and a half, depending on the time of the day. Most of the business is is centered in Kelowna, and then a little bit more commercial business in uh, in Vernon. But most of my business, I would say, eighty percent of it is is within a you know a twenty to thirty minute drive from from our shop. The twelve employees. Let's talk about them. Who's doing what? Uh, what what are all the roles on the team? Well. Full disclosure, you know, I have a shop that I do both uh, both repairs as well as as upholstery. So um, we have uh, we have three techs, three logoed vehicles on the road. So we are uh, we are doing on site repairs still, and we are a mobile service when it comes to doing repairs. and And a lot of that right now is uh, it's boat season, so we're doing a tremendous amount of boat repairs. Uh, a tremendous amount of uh, there's a lot of new construction out here, so we do a lot of window and door repairs for both uh, home builders, for Plygem, one of the, uh, we're, we're real good tight friends and relationship with uh, one of the, the window manufacturers right here in town. So they send all their builders our way. So we do a lot of that. Automotive dealers still send a lot of their customers to us to do, to do business, you know, seat panel replacements, repairs, that sort of thing. They don't have a lot of inventory. So that part of the business is down as I'm sure it is everywhere. So my staff, I've got text out, and then I've got upholsters that are in the house. So I've got um, I've got sewers, if you will. I don't really call them sewers because they're upholsters. Sewing is you're running for eight hours. We don't do that here. We're taking something apart. You know, we're bringing furniture back to life, whether that's a boat seats, you know, a, a wing back chair or, or uh, reskinning, you know, something in a Mercedes. But I have, you know, we'll say entry level staff that are, are pulling staples and pulling apart. So it's really through all my years of furniture and looking at custom shops and manufacturing plants, really trying to divide up some of that work so we can be working on multiple projects at one time. So I might have 15 projects on the go in the shop that it's in whatever state it might be in. So we've got, you know, somebody pulling apart, somebody cutting the fabric. Then I have, uh, you know, our pros that are very fast sewing and, and putting, you know, sewing pieces together. A couple staff that are then, um, uh, and including one of my techs who's in in here and and a fiber new tech, so he may be doing some of the finished product as well as some of the dyeing or redyeing of the leather if we're matching colors that sort of thing. One of the big things is trying to cross train as many people as possible. They have their strengths in here, but we don't want any downtime. So if they're not 
maybe cutting fabric or or pulling something apart, they can jump in to clean, to prep, to uh, to get another piece ready. So very, very busy shop. Besides my shop, I have a 40-foot sea can beside it. That's storage. So that way I can bring in boats all winter. I can bring in multiple pieces of furniture stored in the sea can until I need it and bring it back into the shop. So I've really taken some of my background and understanding flow from custom shops or manufacturing shops to understand that flow of, of, uh, of volume and to, uh, uh, to be able to scale it that way. And do you figure that out on a calendar? Is it a timeline thing or is it a revenue thing? How do you put in the, the checks and balances of that flow? Being a commissioned sales rep and owning a sales agency, you never want to say no. You know, a lot of the upholstery shops in town are six-month lead time. I can't get that through my head. That, to me, is just wrong. So I want to find a better way to do it. So, And I I believe that that people, and I've got wonderful people here, are not expenses. First of all, they're staff and they're, they're part of the family, but they're it's part of revenue generation. So I don't look at it as yeah. an expense. I look at it as revenue generation. And so that way, if we have to ramp up and scale, like we talked about earlier, then you know, we need to find good staff. We need to train them up because um, staff is hard to find. Uh, staff in this world, in, in, in the furniture upholstery world, there's not a lot of them out there, right? Um, nobody's offering that as a skilled trade anymore. So we have to start somebody raw who wants to learn and then coach them up, if you will, teach them uh, and, and train them. So, um, so the business dictates it. But again, back to my strength is sales and marketing. I can go find the business. Um, now, three years in, I understand the flow of what we're after right now. You know, boat stuff traditionally is going to keep the spring very, very busy. And the fall, um, you know, home builders right now are, are doing a lot of work and trying to get uh, homes done for fall sales. So I mm-hmm. tend to look at all the different industries and see what their cycle is and mm-hmm. try to then ramp up or be ready for that. Like I'm already trying to train my customers to to drop off their boats in September when they take them out of the water and let me have them for the winter because I'm going to need that because every spring becomes um, a little chaotic, we'll say, trying to, uh, to, to keep that all in. So I'm not a fan of turning away work. Um, I'm a fan of trying to, you know, negotiate with clients and customers to give me more time in certain time of the year and be realistic with them then. And, and you always keep time in your day for you know, your, your big commercial accounts. And then some of the residential, the smaller ones, we manage the lead time with them. That's going to be a little bit longer, the, the one-off pieces. Let's go back to finding employees. Where did you find your staff? Let's talk about that. Well, techs, uh, I've had success with, um, with automotive geeks, we'll say, guys that love cars, uh, automotive detailers, somebody with an eye for detail and an eye for color. So, you know, if you get uh, guys or gals that have that, uh, uh, that knack of being able to, you know, to detail a car that it has to be perfect, that's a good background. And then, for instance, Ryan, one of my techs now, has got that automotive background. He was starting to look at an automotive, uh, a mechanic world. He decided that wasn't for him, but he's loving this, the the variety and the differences of everyday work at, at Fiber New. You know, Ollie, one of my techs came to me from the golf world, actually. He, uh, he was too good of a golfer that I didn't want to play with him anymore because uh, he would beat me too bad. So I figured if I could get him full-time in my uh, company, and then me have a chance to golf. Maybe I can beat him someday. But but he came young and raw, but wanted to learn, wanted to learn business and fell in love with uh, with upholstery and with put, not just upholstery, but with taking stuff apart and putting it back together. And, and that could be an automotive seat, an RV seat, a boat cushion or whatever. So I've got the young ones that want to learn. And then my oldest upholsterer is a 72-year-old Croatian lady that's been sewing for 45 years. And we call her mom and she teaches everybody work ethic. And uh, she teaches everybody that you go to work and do your job. And uh, um, so we've got a great mix of people that uh, that want to come together and work. We incentivize them to work. You know, we try to make it as fun as possible in here. And uh, and we're, you know, we're a big family. We're, we're going to have a pool party next week up at my house uh, for all the staff to come up with, with their, you know, families. And, uh, and we try to do, you know, meals and barbecues and everything else, but we try to find people that want to and have an interest in this 
in this world of repair to, to, to bring stuff back to life, to not throw stuff in the landfill. And if they have that, then we can, then we can train them from there. Was it a matter of you spotting the likely candidate and just talking to them? Did you put ads on Indeed? Let's get just into the nitty gritty of exactly, you know, how you attracted them. I have put ads on Indeed, uh, on Castanet out here. Not a ton of success. My success has come from my network. Um, I yeah. find that uh, your network, your customers and everybody else, you're, they know you best and they know who you're looking for. So word of mouth. Everywhere I go, I talk about what I do and that I'm looking for somebody. Even if I'm not looking for somebody, I'm looking for somebody because I don't want that gem passed up, right? So I'll always hire somebody if they have the right skill set and we'll we'll figure it out. I find word of mouth networking works better than anything. Like no disrespect to Indeed, but I find uh, 90% of, of my resumes are coming from overseas and and you know, we're moving, we're dynamic, we're moving too quick to try to, uh, to wait, you know, six to nine to 12 months to, uh, to get an overseas worker in right now. Uh, I haven't, is, is the labor pool is tough everywhere. So, uh, you know, I'm not unique that way. Um, but there's people out there, you just, you know, I look at it as, as another sales and marketing technique. If you, if you're, if you're popular, if you're the popular kid on the block and, uh, and you're doing good work, people, uh, um, People want to work. We have Maria right now, a summer student. She knew Janessa, one of my pollsters, friends of the family. Janessa told her and talked about all the cool things that we do. She walked in the door one day. She's like, I'm in grade 11. I, my mom sews. I love it. I want to take up upholstery. Can I come in and hang out with you every once in a while? I'm like, yes, you can. I'm going to pay you, but you can come in. So she worked a couple days, like her, her off days at school, and now she's working all summer as a summer student, uh, and she's working three days a week in here in our shop just to learn the trade. The great thing about that, she's already asked, like during her school session, if she can work a few hours here and there whenever it fits into her schedule. Well, of course, because she's a great kid and she wants to learn it. And then hopefully one day she may work for us full time. Or, and I say this to everybody working with me, eventually you're going to leave. Either I'm going to encourage you to go be successful someplace else or you're going to quit or you're going to die. That's really the, you know, the three things for any job, really. Um, so if if we can make the best of it, and even if you go open up your own shop someday, obviously, uh, if it's fiber new, it has to be a different territory. But even if you expand yourself, that's okay because that just means that we did the right things and uh, and and we trained them up properly. So uh, I, I don't look at it as a negative. I look at it as, you know, if we're doing the right things and teaching somebody to be successful and if they want to better themselves, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing in my books. So we just try to hold on to them, obviously, as long as we can. One thing we often hear is how am I supposed to attract people to this business that nobody knows anything about when somebody can make 16 or 15 bucks an hour flipping burgers kind of thing? How do you answer that? Yeah, because it's it's a reality out there, right? And uh, um, you know, I look at it as is the uniqueness of what we offer. That every day is different. That you're not flipping burgers for eight hours. That you know you're going to come in and work on a boat seat, and then you're going to work on a car seat, and then maybe you have a piece of furniture to work on, uh, a wing back or something like this. So the uniqueness, the opportunity to, and you know, it's obviously I'm in British Columbia, Canada, and uh, you know we're known for maybe some liberal views when it comes to, you know, to not throwing stuff away and, and, and keeping the environment going. And that's a good thing, right? And that's the, the sustainability part of Fiber New, which is incredible. And so, you know, we look at all those things and, and, and to try to sell the uniqueness of Fiber New and the uniqueness of the repair and refurbished business compared to just the monotony of, of some of the other jobs out there. It's really the same value proposition that you would have probably looked at partially in looking at Fibernew is is the uniqueness, the opportunity, the the the, the eco friendliness thing. It, it's same checklist, isn't it? Really, it's the exact same yeah. checklist because yeah. we looked, me and my wife, we looked at opportunities when we were deciding to move to Kelowna and what we were going to do for sort of another chapter in our careers, and that's absolutely what attracted us to, to Fibernew. Is it's different, you know, it's. Uh, it had the opportunity for my love of furniture and my love of manufacturing plants and tearing stuff apart. And even though I'm a sales guy at heart and I always will be, I love that part of it, right? That uh, um, 
that getting in there and uh, and digging some apart. Right after we're done today, I'm going to sew a uh, very old lady's uh, sofa back together because her grandson ripped it apart and she's she wanted me just to try to top stitch a, a patch on it, if you will. So, uh, but we get to keep it going, right? And so that's exactly the same. You're right, uh, Jesse. It's it's the same reasons that uh, that we're here. And then treat them right, obviously, once they're in, as you do, right? I mean, it sounds like you're you're creating your own company culture inside of your franchise, you know, by having parties with staff. And you said there are incentives involved and and just treat them right. They can't be overlooked. No, I think I learned that a long time ago and probably made some mistakes along the way in my career. But, you know, we're all the same. Doesn't matter. Uh, I stopped putting a uh, a name on my card long ago, besides, besides my name, no title, I should say, sorry, just to level that playing field with everybody and uh, just be part of, right? And uh, we all have a task to do, but at the end of the day, um, we're all part of, right? And, uh, you know, I guess at my age, I learned that, that, uh, um, I've had bosses and, and managers and stuff like this that scream and shout and yell to try to get the motivation. I just find that doesn't happen. It's better if we all work together and try to figure out. Um, one of the things that another franchise E had mentioned that I uh, I should bring up too. Um, one of the things we do here for small business, we're all in this together coming out of COVID and cash flow was hard and everything else. When I do a lot of work in restaurants um, and other places, spas and, and a few different places, I'll take a portion of of my invoice and uh, I'll get it in gift cards. So, uh, you know, to throw it a number, if it's $2,000, let's do, you know, 1,500 and 500 in gift cards. And then those I turn around and incentivize uh, to my staff as bonuses at the end of the month or at the end of the week, I usually give some out every week and, uh, you know, give a $50 gift card. Cause then that money's going back into the, to the restaurants, to the, uh, to the pubs and to other small businesses. My customers love it because it's helping their cash flow. But at the same time, they know that, uh, you know, my staff are going to come out, eat at their establishments. And I, and they always want to know. And I always tell my staff, when you go to those places, make sure you say, Hey, I'm with fiber new, you know, we're here because we did your booths and we did your repairs or whatever it is. And make sure that you keep that, uh, that synergy going. And that's worked really well in in a post-COVID world when, you know, not everybody has deep pockets when it comes to cash flow. Guaranteed, that's something that Amazon or McDonald's as an employer would not do. So <laughs> it's smart. <laughs> well said. The, the beauty yeah. of a small business, right? We're, we're, it we're is. a small business and we're a local company. And that's the cool part of having the franchise is we're building roots in the community. And it was here long before me. Um, but I want to, you know, I, I want to keep that. Uh, that that going that legacy going that we're part of the, the community let's actually go back in time to that uh, point when you started the business or took over the business i should say it was a little bit serendipitous you finding fiber new to begin with was it not it sure was yeah i was uh i was working uh, my sales agency selling furniture i was in the states so i handled sort of arizona colorado new mexico Working down there, I was reading an article online. It was a link through probably Twitter, LinkedIn, about a second uh, career for a gentleman that uh, had finished his, uh, his, it was more a sports career and and it was his second career and he had bought a Fiber New franchise. I'm like, gosh, Fiber New, how come I don't know these guys? I got to look into it. So I I literally that night went on your website, uh, emailed to find out some more information about it. The next day I had a call from a 403 number, which was, you know, in the same area code that I live in. And it was Jamie from uh, head office saying, Hey, I hear you're interested in that. I'm like, where are you? And she's like black diamond, Alberta outside of Calgary. I'm like, my goodness, I don't even know you guys and you're in my backyard. And so that's how I found out. And then we started talking and I said, you know, is there any franchises available in Calgary? Cause I had a furniture company. I had a, an installation uh, and staging furniture company to, to go along with my sales agency. And so it would have been a perfect fit. And she said, no. And I said, what about Phoenix? Because I was working down there and we had a home there. Uh, she said, yes, there's some there. And and our long-term plans was to get to Kelowna. And I'm like, what about Kelowna? And she said, yeah, as a matter of fact, there's one for sale there. And so our sort of our five-year plan on moving to uh, uh, to Kelowna, we started talking to, to Fiber New. And uh, a year later, we were... Uh, Boots on the ground in Kelowna had moved. Our, our five-year plan became one year, and we moved the kids out, and uh, and here we are. 
Let's talk about Fiber New Kelowna uh, before and after. The former owner was a, an owner operator. Uh, you said he's fully mobile. Uh, I think he operated a little bit more in the lifestyle side of things, right? He he did what he had to and uh, it, it didn't work for him, but he was looking to make an exit. You come in and bring a completely different approach to the business. And I, I think that the math on this is is something like seven or eight times revenue uh, from what the, the former owner was doing based on your mindset and basically what you saw as opportunity. Let's talk a little bit about those building blocks, if, if you don't mind, from the state of day one when you took the business over to how you started to build on it to where you are now. Sure. Yeah. And we're, we're about eight times uh, uh, where we were where we were when we took over hopefully fiscal year end will be nine times uh somewhere around there so yes uh huge growth again back to the the scalability of, of fiber new i say this too a lot i talked to some um some guys that are looking into the franchise uh they will call me every once in a while and i think back to what i talked about my first job in furniture and getting on installing furniture i don't want to ever minimize how important it is to get in and get your hands dirty and full of dye and everything else to understand the capabilities and the opportunities that uh, that our products offer. So to be able to get in. So those first three, four months on the ground, um, we're really getting used to what we could do, making some mistakes along the way and redoing those for customers because we didn't do everything perfect up front. And, uh, um, and, and that's okay. As long as you take care of them afterwards and, and fix it, it's okay. But really, my homework before that was understanding the market, understanding the, the demographics, understanding that there was a massive opportunity that was not that was not taken up before that. So, you know, the, the former guy, he was only a single guy and he only wanted to do so much. So he uh, he concentrated on some key accounts, did a very good job with those accounts, but didn't really add to it where, you know, answering that phone, you know, marketing and getting out there as a face of, of fiber new and, and start talking about fiber new was, was important. But first I had to get the understanding of what we did. Training was phenomenal, but training's two weeks. So then you have to get back to your market and, and, and get your feet on the street and start, uh, you know, start talking to customers and start understanding what we can do. And then the marketing in me kicked it, kicked into high gear, understanding that, Okay, I know what we can do now. Now I'll go find the customers that fill those. So then I started, you know, I, I joined the Chamber of Commerce, which I've, I've been a believer in in this town. You know, I, I worked, consulted for a company way back in this town. So I knew the strength of the Chamber and the networking groups. A couple of breakfast groups that I joined. And uh, I used this from day one about Fiber New is uh, everybody needs us. You just don't know it yet. And, uh, and then, you know, when I got a little, giggle out of that and that's like but everybody has a car a boat not everybody but you have one of the uh you have home furniture you have a car you have a boat you have an rv you have all these different things um they're all going to wear out eventually the good and the bad of covid is it it happened six months or so after uh, we bought the franchise the bad news is you know i don't like to look at covid as, as as anything good but a lot of people were sitting home looking at their old furniture and saying hey somebody mentioned i might need this one day and uh now they had the time to look at it. And so we did a lot of residential, a lot of that. I still don't do a lot of, I don't do print. I don't do TV. I don't do radio. I don't do any of that. Um, I'm not a believer in it. I believe that my strengths are going to networking and more grassroots marketing, getting to the people that uh, that need to. So I went to the big furniture stores, the big um, car dealers right away and they became my sales reps. So I was in there every week to every one of those. I'm dropping off cards. I'm discounting a few jobs to get back in the door if we weren't in there at that time to be able to start growing the name again, growing that, and then replying to every email, replying to every phone call, making sure that we're not, even if some of those jobs weren't sort of what we call the perfect fiber new job, let's get the name out there. Let's get cycling. Let's get let's get activity going. And then that is what I love to do, but that's, um, I don't even look at it as hard work because marketing the business, the business is out there. You just have to go to the right people and then you can start scaling your business properly. You do a lot of work in aviation as well. So did you go right to the airport as well? That, that was part of your plan? Absolutely. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did do a special flyer. Uh, we, you know, we have a handout. Uh, so I, I made sure I had ordered some of those right away, went out to the, uh, to the airport and uh, it's a small airport here, but as a part of that airport, the uh, there, there's a company called KF Aero that has a, a tremendous reputation and they have a, some huge contracts. So now part of that was already in place before I came. And that's one of the ones that the former uh, guy had been doing some work. We just expanded on our, our abilities, uh, our volume, and made sure that we hit some of the smaller uh, airlines out there as well to be able to do the work. My shop that I bought is about five minutes from the airport, not by accidents, knowing that I wanted to service that uh, industry quickly uh, if, if I could take the stuff away or if we, you know, we went to the airport and worked in the hangars. We've, we've done a lot of that work as well. So stick to the fundamentals. Uh, join the chamber. I think you sponsored some golf events too. I remember. Did you not? I do. Uh, the, um, the name out there. Self, part selfish, but you know, I, you know, I said that I probably joked to my wife that I, I tried to uh, justify um, a golf course membership uh, and uh, <laughs> and sponsoring some events, which I just did one on the weekend. I make that money back ten times because again. Everybody knows me at, uh, at, at the golf course that I'm a member of as Steve from Fiber New. You know, the cart girl, the, the booze cart girl has a Fiber New hat. I count at least 60 members there that wear Fiber New uh, hats when they're golfing. That name is over there. 60? 6-0? At least 60 guys Good have, for you. Have, have got my hats and they're wearing them. And, uh, you know, is it a cost? Is it $15? Absolutely. What's the cost the coming back, right? So, That's right. The return on investment, right? And that's the thing is, you know, some guys will say, you're giving a guy a $15 hat. No, I just bought loyalty. And uh, and that's the difference, right? Um, so I have done, and we're delivering back a, a sofa for one of the members up there today that we had uh, redyed for them. Cars, boats, you name it, right? So that money has come back, uh, no problem at all. So that, I, I do sponsor that. We, you know, we try to get into before COVID, we started them, you know, the home shows, the boat shows, the car shows, those are just starting to come around again. We do go in those because it's, uh, you know, that's grassroots marketing. You're talking to, uh, you know, an attentive audience of, you know, whether it be a car show and it's all car geeks that want, uh, you know, their dash down, their door panels, their seats, whatever like this, you've got. Uh, so it's not spray and pray mentality. It's, it's, that's focused marketing. So I will do some of those things for sure. And then you said talking to the automotive dealers, uh, you made connections with the window manufacturer and builders, boat dealers too, I imagine. Furniture uh, yeah, they're all. Yeah. So my mentality has always been in whatever I've sold, go to the biggest guy first and you'll get the trickle yeah. down from there. So Beachcomber is the largest furniture store in Kelowna. They're about a 35,000 square foot you know, retail facility. They send all their customers. We do all their warranty work. There's Marshalls out here. There's Lazy Boy. So all those sales reps, I'm walking through that place on a, on a weekly basis. They're seeing me. They know me. They know what we can do. They've got all my business cards in there that they give out to their customers. When their customers come in and say, well, I like this, you know, I still have a piece, especially these days when you can't get furniture for six to eight months, go see Steve, he'll repair it for you. So they become all my sales reps, the Mercedes, the BMW, the Audi, the Lexus dealerships here. They have very little inventory for us to, to, to fix up for them to flip their used inventory. However, they still have a lot of customers walking in the door, whether it's out of warranty, whatever it might be, they have a rip in their seat. Call Steve at Fiber New. He'll take care of that for you. So now it's and one thing I want them to do though is not call Steve at Fiber New. Call Fiber New. I'm trying to train my staff to to own that as well. And so we've got a lot of blank cards that we give out now with nobody's name on it for all those locations. So they can call anybody, right? They don't have to be leaving a message to hunt me down. That's no way to grow the business. It's, uh, it's going to become a bottleneck. So just call call Fiber New. Yeah. So, Good for you. Good for you. And then again, as we talked about earlier, by by you going out, talking to all these people, networking, doing everything you do, that's how you built your team as well, right? Because exactly. you're finding people to bring in as admins and techs and whatnot. So it, it serves two purposes, doesn't it? When I'm at the retail locations, I'm telling them I need staff, right? Because yeah. you never know who they might know as well. So absolutely. It's just that, you know, that being in the community, that networking that networking with guys at the golf course, that networking with people in the, the retail stores, wherever, 
to build that brand. You know, brand awareness, name recognition, that's how you become successful, right? And uh, keep it going. You know, even if you think you have enough business, keep it going. Maybe then you can become a little bit more selective in what you're doing, or you can be ready when one industry slows down, like we found out in COVID, right? All of a sudden, if you're heavily ingrained in one market that goes away for whatever reason, hopefully never a pandemic again, that's a scary time. You might want to be spread out to a bunch of different places so that you can react a little bit quicker. Do you have staff that focus on specific industries or do you train them to work across the diversified set of everything? How do you split the labor? I try to train them across so that, again, we're not stuck in that either. If, uh, you know, I do have one of my techs is is more heavily involved in automotive, but, but I just hired a young a young guy, Ethan, who uh, is an absolute car. He's rebuilding a uh, BMW in his uh, in his parents' basement, which they're not all that happy about. Uh, I've come to understand from talking with him, but uh, he's got a, a transmission apart in their in their basement. He's a car <laughs> geek, so he came to me. He's he's he just turned twenty. He's taken interiors apart like for the hell of it for for years. So I'm like, okay, you can now come in. You can take my seats out if we're doing, you know, if we have to change a seat skin or something like this. You can do that. I'm going to train you on some other things, but you love doing that. You can start popping door panels off. You can start doing a lot of stuff that's sometimes it's easier to get them out of the cars if you if you know how and if you're quicker to get that. Even if we're redying seats, if I can, I'd rather take that out, get it in my shop in a controlled environment. We have a spray booth. Get it inside there where we control the, uh, there's no wind whipping through and everything else, and uh, we can do a better job. He takes a car seat out, doesn't matter what car it is, you know, five, 10 minutes, he's got that seat out, right? Because he loves to do it. So he gets to do something that he's getting paid for something that he loves to do. So try to keep them spread out. I don't want somebody just doing one thing because two things, if I run dry on, on a little bit of that industry, I don't want that person to not have employment or not to be able to keep them. So I'd rather cross train them so that we can keep everybody going as well. By doing that too, if you have someone, like you said, self-select out or whatever the ends of the business happens, they, they can always pinch hit for anybody else in the business. So exactly. Okay. An old guy, right. an old guy said that uh, many years ago to uh, encourage them to be successful someplace else. And I love that line. And, uh, and sometimes it happens, right? Sometimes it's just not a good fit and that's okay too. And so, uh, you know, I had a guy working for me. He's one that just left three weeks ago, started tremendous, was working really hard, picking it up fast. And he kind of hit a plateau, ended up being, you know, part personal with what was going on in his world. But he just got to that point that it just wasn't a good fit. And we had that grown up conversation that it was time to instead of, you know, wasting time. The worst thing any of us can do is quit and stay. And, you know, by quitting in your head, but staying to collect a paycheck, that doesn't help anybody because then mistakes happen and we're paying for that. So it's best to uh, to try to have that conversation early on. What about managing the business, scheduling, quoting, uh, customer correspondence? How does all that work in your business? Um, that's probably been one of the toughest positions to fill. I've had a few people sort of at that front desk and answering the phone and scheduling and everything else. And it's, it's been tough because there is such a wide variety in our jobs, in our, in our industries, in our segments. It's very difficult unless you live and breathe it like an owner does. So I've taken on the majority of my day is, is, is quoting, marketing, scheduling. We have a jobber. We use the jobber app uh, to schedule everything in. Um, there are a few other people in the in the shop that can, you know, they they handle the customers coming in. They they put everything in jobber. They get it up front. They're starting to quote as well to take some of that off me. I'm doing most of the, uh, the warranty assessments, the quotes and everything else for the bigger projects that I want to get my eyes on before, you know, because a pitcher just might not do it. Um, if I have to go out and see some of the bigger projects with some of the the larger ones, but that's been, um, that's been probably my biggest struggle is to get people that are comfortable with, uh, um, with the upfront part. So, so I changed my role probably, oh, six months ago, took more of a, uh, an upfront role in not just, 
not just doing all the quoting and that, but also handling some of the, uh, the the scheduling, the coordination and all that stuff, just to make sure that it's seamless from up front. A few of my, uh, both Ollie and Ryan, you know, Ryan does now the automotive quoting because he's comfortable with that. So he'll do a lot of that. Ollie will do a lot of the furniture quoting and, uh, and handle the customers coming in when I'm not in the shop. He will handle customer communication and, uh, and getting pieces in. We do have a system in place that along with Jobber, we have hard paper to, to follow something around the, the shop. So he makes sure that that's all done. It's, it's inventoried. It's, uh, you know, the piece count is in, whether it be might be six door pieces of car coming in, panels and that sort of thing. We make sure that that's all uh, inventoried up front and then put in its proper place uh, so that that's not left for me. Now I'm trying to, you know, to spread that a little bit, but uh, the phone, the phone's a challenge. The busier you get, my phone goes crazy. It, uh, it has many times on this call alone. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. I have a few of them here because it's, it's 40 degrees outside a hundred and what's that? 102 or three for you American yep. uh, friends. It's hot here. So my shop downstairs, uh, we have a swamp cooler to cool it off and everything else, but I sent some staff home today. I shut down early just because it's working conditions weren't great. So, uh, and um, I have one phone that I still don't know how to turn the ringer off. I am not IT. Um, <laughs> I am a sales guy. So that one's giving me a problem. But uh, but no, we uh, we try to spread it out. But that part is one that I still, uh, the control freak in me, the sales guy in me, I always want that upfront experience to go as seamless as possible. So I kind of, you know, I baby that a little bit and I want those, I want the phone calls done properly and I want the upfront quoting done as, as quickly and efficiently as possible. That was a bit of a stumbling block. Growth has to coincide with letting go, doesn't it? Yes. You can't control every aspect of the business and expect to scale your business. So I know that's tough for a lot of entrepreneurs though. It is. And and it was for me when I started because this was my new baby, yeah. but the same in my previous worlds. Uh, one of the things that we, we try to have a, a Monday morning little 15 minute get together and chat and see what's on, on the go for the week. And uh, one of the things is I travel and, and, and get out doing stuff. I train all my staff to, you know, if you wouldn't want that piece, if you wouldn't pay for that piece, that piece shouldn't leave this place. If you're doing a mobile job and you wouldn't want that yourself, then we're not done. And so the ownership, I want the ownership to be with all my staff and really to, to be able to make those decisions. And I will tell my staff, if I'm, you know, make a decision on your own, don't stand around not making a decision, make a decision. I will back you on it. I may not agree with you on it and maybe we'll have a conversation afterwards, but I will, I will back you on it. And then, you know, we'll learn from it perhaps. And, and, uh, and that, but just make a decision as if it was your own company and really to, you know, that's good for me too, because then, you know, if I am, away on vacation. If I am uh, sponsoring a golf tournament and need to be someplace else, this place should run without me. And I, and I tell all my key staff, don't wait for me, run it, run it. We'll have the conversation later, but run it, make it your own. And then that allows them to be able to, uh, uh, to take ownership and make those decisions. And I have phenomenal staff. They're going to make the right decision nine out of 10 times, probably nine and a half out of 10 times. Um, they just have to know that they're, they have the freedom to put another way. That's, that's getting out of your own way. It's so it? true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Most of us are a personalities. Most of us that are entrepreneurs and have owned it usually want to elbow everybody else out of the way and, uh, and, and do it ourselves. And that I got to do it myself mentality. I've talked to other, other fiber new guys about that. I can't grow. I have to do it myself, but you can grow quicker with somebody else than by yourself. But that's hard for us because we think we do it better. I still joke with my guys that I do better repairs than them and, uh, and challenge them, but uh, it's probably not the truth in, in all uh, circumstances <laughs> doing some really good repairs, but uh, it is tough for us to get out of the way sometimes for sure. But that's how it grows. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about business philosophy. And in my short time of knowing you, I, I would venture to guess that you marry life and business together and you design the two in step. But how do you approach business philosophy and, and life philosophy and whatnot? Do you, could you explain that? Well, you can probably tell I'm a passionate guy. I love what I do. 
I don't believe we should be doing anything that that we're not excited about. You know, my wife Diane, who's who's fifty um, percent owner. I tried to I tried to get her down to forty nine percent, me to fifty one, but it didn't work. She uh, insisted on fifty percent, so there we have it. She teases me all the time because I'm always. You know, I'm always on. You know, our family were blessed to to be in the situation we are, and so they understand that. You know, even when we're on vacation or whatever, my phone might be on at times because it's part of owning your own business as well. But that passion is what I think um, is the same whether I'm mountain biking or golfing or or in business. I, I love to I love to grow. I love to expand. I love to. Um, the financial part always comes if you're in love with doing it and in love with with growing. Now, in my career, I've I've sold furniture, I've sold beer, I've sold hockey equipment, um, I've sold fabric, I've sold all those things the exact same way. I haven't changed the recipe that me and you talked about early on in this. That I believe I have a recipe that works, and it starts with passion. It starts with passion and everything, right? So you like, you can't, you, I don't believe you turn passion on and off. I believe you either have that and you want to commit to doing something or there's other careers and jobs for people that, that don't want to do that, right? There's, uh, there's maybe nine to five jobs that are, you know, built for somebody to earn a paycheck. And so earning a paycheck is great, but, but sinking your teeth into something that you can see flower and grow. That's the passion, right? That's the part that, uh, um, that I've always had. Don't know why or where, but I know that that um, is the same with me and Diane, whether we're, uh, we're doing this, you know, Diane has another, and that's why we get along so great and we're a good team because she's gone on and, and uh, grown a retail location here in, uh, in Kelowna with the same idea is trying to, uh, to be passionate and be, uh, um, excited about, um, the opportunity. Are you a planner or are you a, a guy who, who writes down everything he wants to achieve or do you hold it in your head? Um, I have some, some lists that are, are very private to me. Um, a lot of it is in my head. A lot of it is, okay. uh, you know, and then I look back, you know, 20 years ago, you know, I, I wouldn't have imagined me in this position for sure. I've always known that I wanted to, I wanted to keep growing something. And then at, at some point, I wanted to have that ability to, uh, to own something and be part of something, right? And that's the cool part of what we have now is, is, is that's all there. A list is good, but if you check everything off, then what do you do next? So you got to keep expanding that list or keep expanding those, uh, um, those ideas. And so uh, I'm certainly not stale now, but I also know that I probably have more to offer and more to do. And that's why when I looked at Fiber New, knowing that I was going to expand it and uh, no disrespect to anybody that has fiber new as a, uh, as a mobile service and a single entity. Um, if that's what you want, that's wonderful. That's not what I saw for it. What I saw was the ability to grow a, a to grow a company and to have that lasting effect that, uh, you know, maybe someday, you know, down the roads, I'm not going to own fiber new Kelowna, but it's going to be, it's going to be an entity. And, uh, and that's kind of cool. What about mentors and advisors in your life, whether personal life advisors or business advisors? Do you have anybody? Yeah, I've had a few. I remember I started working at Canadian Tire in Dartmouth, store 041 for any of those Canadian Tire people out there. (laughs) Doug uh, Ingalls was my first manager. And I still look at him as as he taught me a lot. Um, He taught me a lot about, um, about structure and management. And I worked there as a kid, but I worked my way from the warehouse to to tires and batteries. And then I look at Morgan Smed, who owned uh, uh, Smed International in Calgary. I worked in sales and marketing there for, for quite a few years in Calgary. Um, you know, the passion that he had for selling furniture and, uh, and the passion that every day, you know, he would go out and try to sell something else, right? And that, that love of selling his own furniture and that love of that. And then I have a very good friend that, uh, we work together, uh, Wayne, um, who's a, uh, he's a sales mentor. So, uh, so he coaches, he's a sales coach. So he coaches sales reps. He's got his own consulting company. So I lean on him a lot. And, uh, 
um, just to to throw things uh, back and forth to, you know, this is what I'm thinking in my crazy head. Does that make sense? Or is that insane? You know, he and he he lives in Mexico now uh, in, in Mazatlan. He was just up the last two weeks uh, visiting with his with his wife. And uh, and we talked a lot about business and uh, we worked together years ago and built a, a company that was real small. And we built it real big with the interest of selling it. Then it happened. Sound familiar? I like to, you know, start with something real small and see if we can't make something of it. But uh, so we have those. So I throw stuff to this day. I text them and, and we talk a lot. I think that's important to have somebody that you can uh, reach out to and talk to. I'm real close with my fellow, uh, my neighboring franchise here. And we talk a lot, you know, we text and we throw things back and forth, pictures and, uh, you know, we're going to fly on the same flight. We hooked it up. So we're flying on the same uh, flight to Nashville for our conference. So we're going to, uh, you know, we'll get to chat the whole way. And I think those things, you know, COVID stole some of that from us. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in Nashville, but, you know, those synergies and that excitement that you get from from sharing your ideas, I think that's important. I kept a hold of that with, with Wayne. Um, but, um, it's important that we, I think it's important that we reach out and sales or something like this can be lonely. I'm not going to talk to my staff about, you know, about some of that as, as much as I like them. So you need that. You need somebody to, uh, to communicate with. Absolutely. And I understand that you are fielding phone calls from people looking at the business or fellow franchise owners. So that, that network is growing, I think, which is, I, I love to hear it, it's fantastic. What are some of the things you end up talking about? Yeah, I love doing that. It's it's interesting because I think uh, like this, um, you know, I, I've got that ability to connect with people and 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 to share my experiences and strengths and uh, and some of my weaknesses. But I think one of the things that I talk to, um, to 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 guys that are looking, guys and gals that are looking at perhaps buying into the franchises is being real honest with them about the first year. You know, the first year you're going to get your hands uh, wet and dirty. And I remember Chad talking about that in, in, in training and, uh, mm-hmm. and how upfront and honest he was with me about that when I went through it, but really talking about, you got to be hands-on, you know, don't buy this to hand it over to somebody, you know, your first month or, or think that it's going to be just a company that you can, uh, purchase and it'll run itself. You know, that's not in fact what I believe to be true. Um, but then I, I talked to a lot of them about that scaling and scalability of, of Fiber New and, uh, and and the marketing part of it, of, of getting into to some network groups to, to grow your business, to not be afraid of, of, of adding a tech. A tech is a revenue stream. A tech is an expense. Even that simple, you know, adjustment in, in how you look at it um, really changes the conversation and the look of it. And, uh, and, uh, and so I really try to talk to them about what to expect, you know, the first, say, three months, six months, and then really the opportunities to grow your business if that, that's what you're interested in. And, uh, and yes, I've had some some other franchise, existing franchise guys call me about, they've heard that, you know, I've scaled it up and, and what's that look like hiring, you know, where your staff, some of the things that we've already talked about today is that, uh, you know, how does that look? How do you find them? How do you, uh, how do you hunt them down? How do you train them? How do you keep going that way? So, uh, um, it, uh, it, it's, I love doing it. It's exciting to talk about the business and the opportunities, but it's also, um, it's cool to talk about, you know, people from all different parts of Canada and the U S and, and sort of some of their challenges or some of their fears going in and just, uh, that unknown remembering when I first, you know, my first phone call to, uh, to, to Jamie and, uh, so (laughs) takes you back. And I'm sure you even learn things through those conversations too, right? I mean, maybe a a little nugget of info is exchanged that that can open up some brainwaves for you. Well, I tell you, Sean in Red Deer, he was my drive day and I learned so much on that day, what to expect. And I still, uh, I have to give him credit. I hope I see him in Nashville. I mean, I chat with him every once in a while give him credit for opening up his business to me and, and for, to really understand it. So, you know, when I do talk to all these guys, I try to be an open book because that, that really helped me, that fear of the unknown, Sean took that away when I, when I spent my day with him. So, yeah. uh, uh, so important. And, and to be able to talk to somebody that's already in it and, and, and be as, 
you know, as upfront and honest as you can be, whether that be financials, whether that be, uh, you know, day to day, whatever. So it's really important. Yeah. And now you're giving that back through the conversations you have. So we appreciate that. Yeah. It's awesome. well, I, yeah. I love doing it. Yeah. Full circle. Full exactly. circle stuff. Just in closing here, Steve, what's next as far as business milestones? What do you, what are you focused on? You know, there's there's a few financial milestones uh, we want to get to uh, um, with with our companies and uh, to to achieve some numbers that when I took it over, I didn't think would be would be possible. I, I had a a one, three, and five year plan uh, that's written down, and it was you know it was for uh, it was for whoever I thought needed to see it at the time. But as I was yep. building this uh, this business plan, uh, we've surpassed that, which is exciting. Um, you know, we've already surpassed our five-year plan. In three, three years. In three Inside years. Of three years. Yeah, absolutely. Good for you. Yeah. And so wow. I either didn't understand what the hell I was doing or, or we've done pretty darn good, one of them. But uh, um, so I've kind of re-looked at that. So I've got some some financial goals that are, that are in place for the next uh, couple of years to get to my, you know, to our first five years, I guess, as, uh, you know, our first five-year segment with Fibernew. Uh, so I've got that. I've got some... Uh, some plans for staff here that I want to, uh, um, to, I want to, to train up to get to that point that they're really running the day-to-day operations that I want to be able to, to have the ability to expand more. If, if we want to do that, to be able to, uh, to really have the comfort that there's, there's a part, and maybe that's me, you know, maybe that's an equity with some of uh, my staff here that they start becoming part of the puzzle. You know, we're starting to have those conversations uh, with a few of them as well as, uh, you know, is this something that you'd like to do, right? Is this something that uh, you'd like to be a part of with, with, with us? So some of those things are some of my, uh, my long-range plans. And just to be able to, uh, to grow the brand. And me and you uh, talked about it briefly at the start of it, is to really grow that brand because I think there's such an opportunity still out there. That dual, that dual business model that we have of, of, of both repair and 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 the rest of it as we go forward. That is a that is such a scalable business that is so in need uh, coming out of COVID, with all the harsh chemicals we use to try to kill everything in COVID. It's destroyed vinyl, leather, plastics, you know, across North America. There's such a huge opportunity, whether it be in healthcare and hospitality, whatever. So there's 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 an opportunity to uh, to make this this industry even larger. Yeah, yeah, I just I, I oftentimes feel like we're just scratching the surface at, at this point. You know, there's Ooh. just it, I, I just talked about how good we've done financially in the last um, three years. If I was to look at the markets, I haven't really knocked on the doors yet. Right? It's like, we, you know, of course, we get some medical, we get some dental, and all that stuff. To be honest, have I have I made a concerted effort to? Uh, it, it comes to me because they know of uh, of us. There's so much out there. Like there's retirement homes that have all this fabric in them that 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 have to to change and get into a cleaner uh dining room situation and everything else the amount of of product that's in there that the, the amount of of vinyl that's in a, any market that is you know it's drying out um so it's it's overwhelming to to really if you want to sit and look at market potential overwhelming and exciting yeah, exactly at the same time. Yeah. Last question here, Steve. What what are some personal milestones for you, Diane, and the kids? Where, where, where's life going to take you? Well, our, our youngest is fourteen. Um, so, um, so getting her through the last few years has been challenging, and, and COVID at school and stuff like this. So she's going into grade nine this year to get her started, uh, um, and really, you know, into the last, you know, four years of her of her her regular schooling before she decides what she wants to do after that. So that's a huge milestone to be settled, to be in place, to be able to allow her to be comfortable after these last few years and to really grow and, and, and be able to be a kid and, uh, and a young lady. Uh, for me and Diane, you know, we want to uh, um, reap some of the rewards of, of ownership and, uh, and be able to, like I said, have those, have those staff in place that uh, we can enjoy, you know, down the road a little bit more time. We've got a place in Cabo in Mexico and, uh, and we love it down there. Um, you know, to be able to, to spend a little bit of time. We've got a beautiful home out here. We're blessed to have a place uh, that overlooks the, uh, the water and stuff like this. And to really, um, 
really enjoy family and friends. The last two years, obviously, we have not been able to do a lot while we're doing the, you know, the pool parties and the barbecues and stuff like this. And we really wanted to focus a lot in the next uh, year or so on, on entertaining and doing some of that for friends and family. And, uh, you know, I call staff here our friends and family. We all look at it that way. So they're always welcome. And, uh, and really, that's we kind of want to not take a breather, but be able to, to enjoy post-COVID and have the companies, you know, moving in the right direction and, uh, and good, play, good people in place. So that we can, you know, more a little bit of that thirty thousand feet look down and and see that they're they're humming along really good. And I want to continue to do stuff that I love to do. I love to market. I love to uh, I love to promote. Uh, you know, that's um, that's no secret. Everyone sees that as soon as they talk to me. So uh, so I want to you know I want to be able to to do more of that. Steve, thanks for your time. We really love to see the success you've realized so far in Fiber New Kelowna. You're just getting started, but lots more to come. Really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. I had a blast. Thanks again to Steve for taking time to share a story and what an inspirational one it is. Join us on the next installment of the Business Models mini-series where we sit down with the husband and wife team of Todd and Joni Penhollow from Fiber New Central Oregon. They share how they run their business together as a couple, how much they enjoy working together, and give us some insights on what's worked for them over the years. Music on this episode, courtesy of Peter, Bjorn, and John, as well as Los Lobos. Until next time, take good care out there. Cheers.